We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, for your kindness towards us. We thank you because you always have a blessing prepared even when we do not know about it ahead. Thank you for another beautiful morning with your spirit. Thank you as your word is coming forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Please, before you sit down, quickly declare the word of the Lord with me. Say, I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm always increasing in the knowledge of God. All right, the Lord is good. It's very nice to be with you this morning. As I yesterday morning, I did not know I would be here. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, let me just quickly get into the short word that um, I am going to share this morning. But that word is going to touch our lives forever. Somebody say amen. And I had the title for it. Okay, let's choose. I'll just I'll use two titles, and then you choose the one that applies to you as I preach the word. Or the one you think is uh, more appropriate. As I was praying, the first thing that came to my mind was living a Christ-centered life. That's the first title. Then when I was looking further into that concerning what I'm going to say, then another title came to my mind, which says living a prophetic life. So whichever one you like, choose it. And write that one as a title for my short meditation this morning. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. But what am I trying to explain? Let us start first of all from the book of Luke chapter 24. That is where I am going to take my main text from. If you read, um, David was speaking in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 139. He said that your thoughts towards me, they are many. Maybe I should actually read that first. Don't bother opening to it. Open to Luke 24. Let me quickly refer to this um, Psalm 139. Just to read something that David said there. They will not pick the main thing we want to say from that Luke chapter 24. If you read in verse... Okay, sorry. I just want to read something from Psalm 139. David was speaking. He said in verse 16, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written... The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. He said, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Please bear that in mind. David said, God has thoughts towards us. That applies to everybody. This was a prophetic um, psalm. That applies to everybody. God has thoughts towards you. God has thoughts towards me. And he said, how vast is the sum of them. Now, what was he trying to explain? When you see the word thoughts in the Bible, it was, especially when you're referring to God, it's not just ideas or something just wishing his mind. When you see the expression thoughts, that's describing the will of God, that's describing the word and the plan, the purpose of God for your life. There's a reason why I read this. Please bear it in mind. I also want to know, to know that every thought that God has towards you is already recorded. And that's why David could say, how vast is the sum of them? All right? He said, if I could count them, they would outnumber the sand. Now, the thoughts that God has towards each one of us 
is plenty and they are already recorded. Bear this in mind, you see the reason why I'm talking about it in the moment. We want to look at the, law, the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a person that we are, we are being, you know, we are being fashioned to be like. Now see what he said in that Luke chapter 24. Let's just read from verse, um, now because it's a long read, read that we have there, I won't read um, everything, I'll just jump here and there. You know the story about the two men who were on the, they were going to a place called um, Emmaus, and then they were, they were walking and the Lord Jesus Christ joined them. And then he now said in verse 17, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And then he looked at him and said, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and is unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? And he asked them, What things? Then they now began to tell him about the Lord Jesus, what happened to him. And then they kept on talking. He now got down to verse um, 25. He now answered them. He said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, please notice that in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into glory? The Bible now says in verse 27, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Please follow this. He looked at the people and he said, The prophets have said some things, And those things needed to be fulfilled. Then he began to show them, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, the very things that the scriptures had in them concerning his life. Now, please just continue reading that verse, uh, verse 20, in that chapter 24. Later on, he got down to the, to the other end, to his apostles, his disciples, uh, Peter and Co. The Bible says in verse 36, And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? He said, Look at it. This is my body. This is my hands. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. You can see that I have that. Now please, just go on to verse um, um, 40. I don't want to read all of it. Now, he asked for something to eat. In verse 42, they gave him something to eat. Now, let's now slow down in verse um, 44. Now, he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opens their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ will suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his, on his, in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He said, You are witnesses of these things. Now let me just stop there. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now the question is, why did I read all of this this Sunday morning? I said, We have to live as Christians a Christ-centered life or a prophetic life. What do I mean? What's the difference? I mean, what am I going to bring up from that expression, Christ-centered? Paul says something in the book of Colossians chapter 3, in verse 16, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I want to explain something about that word this morning. 
There is something about being a believer. It is different. Now, Christianity is not a religion. I keep on saying that. I'm sure we have heard it many times. It's not our way of trying to please God. It's not our way of trying to reach out to God. Christianity is a way by which we live the life that God already recorded that we should live. Do you get my point? We are not trying to reach him. What we are doing is walking and living out the life that he has already recorded. Now, what was Jesus saying to them here? He said, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you. What was he saying? That is everything they are seeing in his life, his coming, the miracles, the death, the resurrection. Everything was first spoken as words. Please listen to that. There was nothing that he experienced that was not first spoken as words. First of all, the prophets prophesied those things. Then when he came, he began to take those words from the prophets and show to them that these things must be fulfilled as it is written by the prophets. I want you to understand something here. Before anything happened in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was first spoken as words. Do you get the point I'm making? It was first spoken as words. That's what I mean by living a prophetic life. The life of Jesus was prophetic through and through. What that means is that it was first spoken, then it was done. You will hear, he will do something, he will heal somebody, and then they will say that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken or written in the prophets. There was nothing that he did that was not first spoken as words by the prophets. There was nothing that he did that he did not see in the book of the prophets and read out and tell the disciples that these are the things that will come to pass. That was why he was angry with them. You will notice that in the earlier parts of that um, Luke 24, when we're reading it, he was actually upset and angry with them. In verse 25, he said, Oh foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. You must understand something here. Faith is primarily... Now, this is one mistake Christians make a lot of times. We think faith is the way by which we solve our problems. No, no, faith is good. It can solve problems. But that's not the primary thing about faith. That is, sometimes we talk in Christianity. That if I need something, I look at it, and then I go and look for a scripture, and then I begin to believe. That's the way we learned it some time, some time ago. But then, I've reasoned about it again. No, desire does not stimulate faith. Desire does not stimulate faith. What stimulates faith is the knowledge, the experience of that which is recorded. It's only when I have discovered what is written, that faith is stirred up inside my heart. I hope you are getting what I want to explain here. Because now, down to us, as the Father sent him, so he has sent us. There is nothing, now listen to this, there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing about your life that was not first spoken by the prophets. Let me say it again. There is nothing about your life that was not first described, nothing, there is no experience, there's nothing you want to go through in life that the prophets did not first speak about. None. That's why we read from that Psalm 139, he said, the thoughts that God has towards us, they are plenty. David said, how can I number all of them? They are just too many. The sum of them is plenty. What was he trying to say? Every moment, now, let me say something. You wake up in the morning, you have an experience, you have a feeling, you had a dream. You had a bad night or you had a good night. Whatever it is that you had, there is already a thought of God concerning that. That's what David was saying. He said, if I was to number them, they are too plenty. My coming here this morning as an example, when I was living in Enugu, I didn't, I, did this, well, I just came to Lagos. I just said, ah, I must let Pastor know that I'm in town. How can I come to his place, his city, and he will not know that it will not be nice. And I come from the airport and I'm going. So I've been around for two days. I said, it's very, 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 it will be wrong. 
That's why I just sent him a message that, please, sir, I will call you later. I'm busy now. So later on, when I spoke the next morning. Now, what I'm going to say is this. I did, he didn't think of it ahead. I didn't think of it ahead. But believe me, God thought of it ahead. God thought of it ahead. There is no, that is, so that's what David was saying, that if I had to number them, the sum of them is vast. Where I'm going to get to this evening, next week, next year, in 10 years, the Lord has already thought about them. And this is the interesting part. The prophets have already prophesied. Sometimes we think that faith is that we have good desires. I will not say, God, see, I've come up with a very nice idea. I will not by faith make you perform it. <laughs> God said, listen, you don't understand. No. Before you acquire the ability to think, I thought for you ahead. Are you getting my point? And there is nothing you will achieve that will be successful except God, it's in line with what God thought, in quotes, about. Because God's thinking is not just, I'm thinking, maybe let's think about, no, the thoughts, if you check the word logos in Greek, there's no difference between the thought and the word there, in logos. So the thoughts of God already exist as his word for you. The only thing you succeed in, in life, is that which he thought about. When you, let me use modern word, when you download the thoughts, sometimes God breathes a thought into you, and it comes to you like a bright idea. It was never your idea. That's why I said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You know, when I used to read that as a young believer, I said, why didn't John say whoever? I checked every translation because we were being taught that we are born of God. We have been born of God. We have overcome. And then I read and said, John said whatever. So you go to another translation. Maybe another translation will help you. So I go from King James to New American Standard to Amplified to New Living Translation. You keep on moving up and down. All of them say whatever. I said, no, they should have known that it's whoever that God meant. We are the ones that are born of God. But now I realize that, no, John knew what he was saying. What was he saying? Whatever, if a thought, if an idea, if a principle, if a business, if a ministry, if a life is born of God, it overcomes. If you are doing anything in life, it's not overcoming. After a while, go and check. Is this my thought or God's thoughts? Because sometimes in life, Christians, human beings generally... We can come up with ideas that are not God's ideas. And one of the ways we know that this thing, maybe it's not the idea of God, is if it is not overcoming. <laughs> because if it is born of God, it does what? It overcomes. It overcomes. Listen, in life, we're not trying to come up with ideas that will succeed. We're not trying to, in quote, succeed in life. No, 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 no. What we are trying to do is to live out that which was already Spoken by the prophets. That's the thing. I know something. Jesus was very angry. Now listen to this. This is how you know whether you are walking by faith or you are not walking by faith. Your response to situations around is what lets you know whether you are walking by faith or not walking by faith. These are people who think they are walking by faith think. Notice what I said with a negative sense. Who think they are walking by faith. Why did this happen to me? After all, I go to church regularly. After all, I give regularly. After all, I pray regularly. After all, and the fellow thinks walking by faith. The truth is that when you think like that, you are not walking by faith. When you are perplexed and confused about life, you are not walking by faith. How do I know? You see in that particular context, the Lord Jesus was angry. You know when he's angry. When he starts telling you, you are very foolish. <laughs> I mean... 
How can I say, maybe one of my younger ones in the morning, I said, this boy, you are very foolish. You think I'm happy with him? Of course not. He heard them talk. He said, what has been going on? He said, we don't know. Hey, this is Jesus Christ. We thought, oh, my father. He healed the sick. He was casting out demons. We stopped worrying about food. We just used to work for the sake of working. Because if there's no food, he will multiply the little that we have. To our amazement, the day they arrested him, we, th- we thought it was a film. That the director would soon shout, cut. Say, oh boy, when they hung him on the cross, we were expecting things to happen. Nothing happened. We are still trying to get used to the fact that he's dead. I know what happened. He was angry. He said, very foolish people. So why could you not interpret the experience in the light of the words of the prophets? What was he expecting them to do? He was expecting that they should recall what he said, take their Bible and check what did the prophets say about this Messiah. Because if they had read in the prophets, they would have had no cause for sorrow. They would have understood that it is a perfect plan of God that this lamb without spot or blemish, this lamb that's pure, that never sinned, they would have understood because what was confusing them was that the way they understood the scriptures, the way they understood life, a good man like that doesn't go to the cross. A good man like that doesn't suffer like this. Uh -uh. And he was angry with them. Why? Because if you had bothered to read what the prophet said, you will have understood that the Lamb of God was without blemish, but he had to be sacrificed. In fact, he warned them ahead of time. He said, let me let you know, the prince of this world is coming, he has nothing in me. But because I love the Father and obey his commandments, that is why I'm going to the cross. But they were, that is, they were so, when the Bible talks about being hard of heart, it means that you are used to traditions, you are used to previous, you know, general beliefs, you are used to previous experiences, and you are not ready to change according to the new light of God. That's what it means to be hard of heart. doesn't mean you like to fight. Many Christians who don't fight in motopark are more hard, hard-hearted than motopark out. They think being hard-hearted means you take a knife and stab somebody. No, when God says your heart is hard, it means when I try to convince you, you know the grief. Say, in our church, this is how they do it. <laughs> in our village, if it's not like this, it's no other way. Since I was young, I always had it in mind that it would be like this. That is what it means to be what? Hard-hearted. What was he expecting them to do? And what was he expecting you and I to do? We are to take every experience of our lives and interpret them in the light of what the prophets have spoken. Let me say another thing to you quickly. Anytime God tells you, tells us, let me be like this, if he utters words like, be of good cheer, it means if you are not of good cheer, you cannot experience what God wants you to experience. God doesn't waste words. He doesn't do nonsense and encouraging. But let don't cry. If you like, cry. Are you getting my point? The only issue is that if he says, don't cry, it means if you keep on crying, what God wants to do next will not manifest. So he got to that house. A little girl was dead, and everybody was crying. And I said, don't weep anymore. They said, why? We shouldn't weep. A whole human being died. We should not weep. He said, no, don't weep, because the girl is not dead. She's only sleeping. Then they started laughing. You know what he did? He pushed all of them outside. He moved everybody outside. Because if they had stayed there laughing or stayed there crying, that girl would have remained dead. You know what? Recently, eh, 
through many teachings and meditations and experiences, I have now realized that some of our small, small habits cripple the hand of God. He can't do what he wants to do. Some small, small habits like crying when you're not supposed to be crying. Or laughing when you're not supposed to be laughing. There are times the Bible commands mourn. There are times he will say, rejoice. When he says to the disciples, be of good cheer. It means if you are not cheerful, when you are supposed to be cheerful, the Lord will have to wait until being cheerful comes upon your face before your revelation, that the revelation of the next face comes up. What I said is, a, is look, it's a very serious matter. Let me quickly prove it to you. Who told Peter to walk on water? Answer me, please. Where was Jesus when Peter was walking on water? Right in front of him, right? Let me ask you a question. Did Peter sink? Yes, he began to sink. Why did the presence of Jesus not prevent sinking? Because the unbelief of Peter is more important than the presence of Jesus Christ. So when God says, when he comes in and says, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. It means even if you want to cry, start rejoicing. Dance by force. If a bad thing happens, and you're about to start crying, oh, and the scripture just pops into your mind. It says rejoice. Get up there, I will not cry. I will rejoice. <laughs> I will rejoice. <laughs> I will rejoice. I will rejoice. rejoice. When people walk in and say, why are you rejoicing? Listen, I'm rejoicing because if I don't rejoice, oh boy, things go worse, pass like this. Now, you know why I'm saying this? That was why Jesus was angry with them. If they had read the scriptures, they would not have been sad. They would have rejoiced. They would have rejoiced. And that's why it's so important you decode your life from the Bible. Because your life was recorded before you were born. And you must learn to interpret every experience according to that which is recorded. Let's take a very good example. Weeping may endure for the night. Joy comes what? In the morning. It may sound like a simple saying, but that's a prophetic word about your life. Because the Bible says that the prophets, they prophesied about two things. The sufferings of Christ... And then the glories to follow. Even Jesus, when he was going to go to the cross, you know, I told you once, I, I saw this, when I saw the Passion of the Christ. I don't know how many of you have seen the film. That beating was serious. Remember the beating? Now, the day I was watching the film, I told my wife and the people watching with me, I said it was not painting the Lord Jesus. So they're like, what? What do you mean? How can you say this kind of thing is not painful? I said, I wasn't painting him. I said simply because the time of the pain had passed. The time of the pain was before they came. The time of the pain was when he went to the garden. That was the place he agonized. Nobody touched him, he bled. Nobody touched him, he bled. During the beating, during the crucifixion, you had to get a nail to drive blood out of his hand. But in the garden, his brow was dripping blood and nobody touched him. The agony was not, it was not out there. The Roman soldiers were not big enough to impart any agony to him. Who were they? The agony he suffered, go and read it. He was in the garden. And he so, even before then, you see, read John chapter 12. He said, my, now is my soul troubled unto death. He went to the garden and the soul, he said, in fact, there's one translation I read the other day, one of them. He said that this depression on my soul is almost killing me. Now I'm going somewhere. 
What did angels do to strengthen him? Read the scriptures. Angels bear visions. Daniel, I've been sent to help you understand. That's the kind of things angels say. Angels will bring the visions of God to people. That's my persuasion, that angels came to him and showed him the vision of the glories that will come. By the time the glories were so clear, when it was so clear, strength came to him. So as the Roman soldiers were delivering their lashes, bam! He wasn't seeing the lash, he wasn't seeing the pain, he was seeing your healing. I don't know whether I get the point. How can he still be feeling bad when he knows what is going on? Every trouble he went through, every affliction, everything that he was experiencing, the angels did not allow him to be thinking about that. They had given him a vision. So when the nail will go in, boom! What he hears, end of slavery. When the lash land on his back, Twam! Say, cancer is dead. <laughs> that is all he's hearing. Is it, if people are looking at, yeah, he told the women, don't cry for me. Find something else to cry for. <laughs> Everything that he felt was interpreted in the light of the scriptures. I can just imagine the lash landing on his back and Isaiah 53 pops up. It is their infirmities. It is their diseases. You hear, boom, they are healed. You are getting my point? When they nailed it, boom, the blood draws. They said, the blood of the new covenant. They beat him, boom, said salvation to the Gentiles. That was all he was seeing. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, it wasn't just him. That's how your life is also. Sometimes when you hear Christians talk, say, you don't understand. You're going through small stress. You go and read your Bible and say, what did it say about this kind of stress? What did it say about this struggle? One of the things I like to refer to is David said that my enemy don't rejoice over me even though I fall down. He said, because I will do what? I will rise again. I said, listen, <laughs> when a man talks like that, you know what he means? He's on the ground. Nobody stands up and tells you, don't rejoice over me when I fall because I will rise again. And I'm standing. When you hear songs like that, no, the man is on the floor. When a man says, I shall live and not die, it means he looks like he's about to die. Nobody feeling happy say, I shall live and not die. No, you must be dying. Are you getting my point? For you to utter a word and say, I shall live and not die. That is a matter of fact. It's only a man that looks like he's going to die. That's us telling you, you think I'm going to die? Don't worry. Let me tell you, I will live. <laughs> I told somebody yesterday we were discussing. We're just talking about some issues of life, you know, a believer in Christ, just sharing things. He said, but after all, the Bible says God is good. I said, have you ever, ever seen a little child, they are giving him ice cream. Take the ice cream, it is good. Have you ever heard it before? You are giving a child ice cream. Take it, it is good. When you tell the child, take it, it is good. When you do that, medicine. It's only when you are giving medicine. Say, take it, it is good for you. If it is ice cream, the child knows. <laughs> Listen, when the Bible tells us the Lord is good, you know what it means? It does not always feel good. That's why he has to tell you that the Lord indeed is good. When the Bible has to... Listen, anytime the Bible has to drop something into you, it means your experience will tell otherwise so. 
So when it says the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever, what it means simply is that sometimes you wake up in the morning, your feeling is the Lord is bad and he wants to kill somebody today. That's what I mean when I, when I say Christians walking by faith. It's not every time I claim something, I get it. It means that sometimes I claim something, it doesn't come. I go and read the Bible and say, what did the Lord describe about times like this? I hope you're following my point. It is that description that, that is understanding it. Jesus was angry when people could not interpret their experiences from the scriptures. My message to you this morning is this. Make sure you fill your mind, your heart, with the knowledge of God so that you can interpret every experience of your life appropriately. If you do not interpret it properly, what God wants to do will not happen. That is something I need to emphasize. Let's not think the sovereignty of God means that he does anything he wants to do when he wants to do, whether you like it or not. No. He does anything he wants to do when he wants to do if we agree. You say, what do you mean? Let me ask you a simple question. Whose plan was it to enter the promised land? God's plan. Did they enter? No. Did God want them to enter? Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> In each person's life, the plan and the will of God is not as powerful as your faith. Yeah. In your life. If God says, people say, if Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. It's not true. If Jesus says yes, I can say no. He has said yes for every unbeliever to be saved. Are they saved? He said, be saved. They said, no. And they are in their sins. He said, enter the promised land. They said, we will not enter. And they died in the wilderness. Who told you if Jesus says yes, nobody can say no? I will tell you. You can say no. I can say no. And if we collectively say no, even for the whole environment, no is no. It surprises Christians to hear that. That is why we are disciplined. We are taught to learn how to say yes. Because surely, the Lord God does nothing until he reveals his secret counsel. So he servants the prophet. Why? Because without the prophet saying yes and prophesying accordingly, his counsel doesn't come to pass. Sometimes we have a mistaken idea about the sovereignty of God. God will just do it for me in his season. You can say that correctly, you can say it wrongly. If you say it correctly, it means that you have taken the word of God and you are declaring it. His season will come. I will be blessed in my season. You are activating it by faith. If, G- if the will of God always came to pass automatically, why would Jesus say, pray, thy will be done? If the Lord gives a prayer point, it means a prayer point. If God gave a prayer point, it means the thing is a prayer point. Which means, if you don't point the prayer, the thing doesn't happen. <laughs> Did you hear that? If you don't point the prayer... How do you point the prayer? How do you ensure it happens? That's what I'm saying. It's all, that's what I'm by living a prophetic life, a Christ-centered life. I take the scriptures. I look like, like at lack all around me. Ah, lack at this point is not good. I can sit down there and say, hmm, I don't know. I have sold my seed. I don't know what's going on. And let me tell you something. All this wondering, wondering, wondering is called unbelief. I need to quickly explain that. All this wondering, wondering, we don't know, we don't know. What do you mean? Can you say how bad the roads are? Do you know it's unbelief? Ah, I need to say that briefly. Because it's so easy for us Christians to look at the wilderness and say, don't mind the Israelites. For everything that God did for them, they still refuse to believe. Nonsense people, foolish people, were pointing a finger to 4,000 years ago. 
Don't mind them that time. If I was in the wilderness, I would just believe. <laughs> the other day I said something, just to tell you how I reason, how the Holy Spirit helps me to understand things. If God were to appear to you, say, ask me for anything. You know how to know what you're asking for. So I would say, what would I ask him for? I can tell you. Just tell what did I ask for in the last one month. The last prayer of one month is the same thing you will pray if Jesus appears. If all you have been doing is killing your enemy, enemy, die, die, die. When Jesus comes, say, what do you want to do for you? He said, just kill all my enemies. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that you can just watch your life and judge how you would have behaved if you were there 4,000 years ago. And I want to prove to you that many Christians today will have, will have also died in the wilderness. Let me prove it. Why did they grumble? Why did they murmur? A number of things. When they were eating manna every day, they got tired of manna. They have eaten better things before. Variety. It says the spice of life. They had the spice of life in Egypt. Remember when I came, I was giving them bread in the morning, bread in the evening, bread at night. Okay, let's even take you as an example. You come in the morning, they give you yam. Very cooked yam. Well cooked. You like it, right? Afternoon, you come, yam. Night, yam. It isn't a joke. Next day, they come again. Breakfast, yam. Afternoon, yam. Supper, yam. Ah, okay. Nothing is good for this place. Next day, yam. Ah. After I tell your wife, say, in this house, I don't know what's going on. Market don't close. That was what they experienced, and that was how they reacted, and the Lord was angry. So ask yourself, do you think he should have been angry with you? You're trekking in the wilderness, moving from one place to the other. You're not reaching it quickly. Let me prove to you that you'll get tired. After driving bad road and entering go slow, what do you do? You complain. This Lagos is very useless. What are they doing in this country? I don't know all the money that they have eaten. They will have turned out the road from right to my doorstep. If I'm my kitchen set, I'll have to drive from my kitchen. It is called murmuring. It's called murmuring. People, are, we don't realize it. If you go to America, the sun does not shine anyhow. The government controls the sun. That's how we talk. That is how we talk. In Europe, when it wants to rain like this, they just press on computers. The rain will just divert. <laughs> Why are you hear Nigerians talking? You know they have never gone anywhere. <laughs> you know, when you now read the news, and here there was flood in Carolina, you know, or maybe, what do you call it? Is it Virginia? There was, there was flood recently. And 13 people died in the flood. You say, ah, is that Nigeria in America? <laughs> you hear the bushfire burnt and burnt 5,000 homes and rendered 100,000 people homeless and, ah, so wait, why didn't you punch the button to tell the bushfire to burn in China? That is how we talk. That's how we talk every day. Don't you know? You go to school, say in America, they don't pay school fees. People say it. They just go to university. When you just graduate, just go to, when you finish secondary school, just enter university and just graduate and just be working and harvesting your dollars from the tree. And when you want a car, just buy it on credit. You want house, buy it on credit. You want long life, buy it on credit. That is how Nigerians talk all the time. They talk like that so much all the times they lose their common sense. You see a student in third year university studying law, studying engineering, gets a visa and walks away. Oh foolish Galatian. I see it all the time. A mother will get up, remove a child from university. Remove another from university. Where? We're going to America. And you'll be looking like, excuse me, they're university here. Why? Because they murmur so much sense, not they give. How do you interpret your life as a believer? Let me quickly tell you so that you won't die in the wilderness. Because people, they die for wilderness. So. I don't want to preach the message here. Sometimes Jonah gets digested. Don't think it's every time Jonah will go, ah, fish will vomit Jonah. There are many Jonah that have been swallowed and been digested. Now they are born. The, 
I'm telling you, go to the bottom of the ocean. You see many whales don't digest guys. You see skull, bone, everything at the bottom. Why? Because in the critical points of their lives, when they were supposed to give thanks for the amount of deliverance they had already, they did not. So they could not stimulate the whale to vomit them up. If you can't listen to my message, which I titled uh, Poor Jonah. What am I trying to say? That's why we must learn. That's why Jesus was angry. Look at these boys. They want to truncate the plan of God for their lives, not being able to interpret the things that have happened in the light of what the scriptures have said. That is how their lives will just end. People think that God always just does magic at the end. God knows the act home video. Let me just tell you, he doesn't do Chinese full film. Last minute, gang, gang, act of show. God sometimes does not agree to appear if the faith is not found in the heart. He lamented, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What is faith? Simply, I have seen the word of God and I am interpreting the things happening in my life in light of the knowledge of what the scriptures have said, what the prophets have said, because every part of my life is written. Let me really dispense of what we're talking about earlier. How do I handle man and morning, man and afternoon, man and night? How do I handle all of those things? It's simple. It's called Thanksgiving. You come out of your house, the road is bad. Say, Lord, thank you, I can drive. Thank you, I can drive. There are people in prison now, in the place where roads are good, and they're in prison. They can't drive. Lord, I worship you. God of miracles. As you're going through the gallop, now my papa, before you know what's happening, the dugum dugum, as you're going through the gallop, becomes rhythm with your song. The day they repent, the they say, ah, those days when we are praising God like this, eh, it used to bubble. When they give you manna in the morning, before you touch the manna, say, Father, thank you. There are those that have no manna. Some have food they cannot eat. Some can eat but have no food. Lord, I thank you. I have mouth. I have manna. I have both of them. They are joining together to do the will of God. We worship you. Believe me, manna that morning will taste like chicken. In the afternoon, you come again. Manna. Our manna, you are my good friend. I love you. Do you know why I love you? Because the Lord sent you to me. All good and perfect gifts come from above. Which also means that everything that comes from above to your life is good and is perfect. This manner you must be good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. I will eat the manner. That afternoon, it will taste like barbecue chicken. Trust me. At night, manna again. Say, manna, you don't come. Oh boy, I like you. I, I'm looking forward to seeing you every day. Big, another song. God has sent manna, hallelujah, he has done it again. Just find one song. That night, you would, as you're eating the manna, it would taste like pounded yam with okra soup. Um, that was what God expected. They would not have missed Egypt if they were full of thanksgiving. The way you react to things. When you wake up in the morning, whine, whine, complain, grumble, grumble, everything. You are frustrating God's ability to do the next thing. That's what I'm trying to say. So Jesus said... Every experience of your life, take the scriptures and interpret them. Let me say this and I close with it. There is a name that God bears in the midst of every affliction. There is even a name he bears in the midst of every rejoicing. I preached a set of messages titled The Seven Names of God. When I was preaching that message, those messages, I wasn't trying to count God's name 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. What I was trying to say is that 7 is the number of perfection. The, num- the names of God are innumerable. These names are as many as the quantity of his thoughts towards you. 
If you read your Bible, the names of God that you can find there is not less than 1,000. If you count five, it's because that's where you stopped counting. When you hear Jehovah, your doctor, that's Jehovah Rapha. Literally means Jehovah the doctor. That's, it's like saying Jesus, a good morning, Dr. Jesus. That's exactly what it means. The God that he led is old Hebrew expression for saying, my name is Dr. Jesus. That is the same thing. That's one. And the bread that came down from heaven is a name. And the God that makes world seas is a name. The Bible always describes him. The names of God are descriptions. You will see things like, the Lord that delights in the prosperity of his servant is a name. That's how these, these names are. You say, I am the Lord. I make barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children. That's a name. The name is long, but it's a name. It's a name. You can sit down there and you will find all the names. So the names we are used to, names like deliverer, you understand? Buckler, fortress, all those kind of things. We are used to them. But there are many of them. The God that pays the rent when this is due, that's a name. It's a real name. And the Bible says it is those that call upon the name of the Lord that will be saved. So until you learn the name and call it, there's no salvation. Many people are not saved because they've not learned the name, they've not called it. Listen, let me end my message. We are not here just to try and believe God for something. No. We are here to find out what is written. And we start living out what is written. Anytime God wants to be described, he looks for somebody. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Those are the names he bears when he wants to be described. Say, I am God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm rising up to my father and your father. My God and your God. So my God is a name. It's such a powerful name. Paul had to use to pray for the Philippians. He didn't say God will help you. He said my God. My God. That was a very powerful name. Ah, one of the greatest experiences in your life is when you are able to look at God and say it's my God. Are you getting my point? It becomes very powerful personal. Paul looked and said, my God shall supply all your needs. This God that I know, the God that you can use my life to describe, he will supply all your needs. What we are doing is just live out the expression of his name. What we are doing is living out his thoughts he has towards us, not to think our own. That is why no Christian will succeed in life except he or she is filled with the knowledge of the word of God. There is no alternative. There is a prophetic thing about what God, you see God doing. On Sunday mornings, you drive past, worship center, worship center, worship center, church, church, ministry, ministry, program, program, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There is a reason. Because without it, man cannot live. One of my friends is a pastor in the north. He did something the other day. You know, it was when I got there, I realized what was going on. I went to go and preach for him as last month, about a month ago. And the church where I went to preach is a new branch that just started. They have one branch, their main branch now went to another part of town. And he said that this part of town is just opening. That it's important that they plant the word there. So he was able to get a hotel near there to be using their hall to do services. And he was telling me that, listen, I'm believing God that we'll get one of these houses here and just start preaching the word of God inside there. It was one, as he was saying it, I began to connect many things. That what was he saying? 
You know, some people think that we have to go out and convert every Muslim. Yeah, we do that if you can. Nothing wrong with it, it's good. But sometimes God doesn't even want that. So just go there, stay there, and from that place, start pouring the word into the atmosphere. The presence. This man just left one day and sent some people and himself, went to another part of town. And said, let's just start teaching from here. What was he saying in effect? We plant the seed here, it will begin to grow. The word we multiply, it will prevail. What am I saying? The prayer doesn't work except is the background of it is prophetic words. It's the word of the scriptures, the word of Christ that makes prayer have meaning. Except you have an underlying knowledge. Go and read. I don't have time now. We'll have read you see how the, how the church used to pray. What they used to do was to start prayer by saying, after worshipping God, worshipping him again based on the knowledge of the word. Don't just worship him. Oh Lord, I worship you, I worship you. What, is, what do you mean by worship? They started telling him, you God that said, you that did this, that's worship. They are telling him about the greatness of his name, of his person that they have experienced, experienced and read about. And I say, according to what you said, why did he, he didn't reach? And the people imagine a vain thing. That is, the experience we are having now is being described in the Bible. The Pharisees are raging. The Romans are raging. All kinds of people are raging. He said, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Then they use that again as prayer. They were not asking God to do anything. They had not seen his thoughts concerning. Prayer will not. You see, all these people that are praying every day. Oh, my enemy is die, 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 die. Look, why don't you read a proper scripture? Lord, I thank you because I have enemies. Like somebody told me yesterday, the Bible says that in the book of Micah chapter 7 verse 6, that the man's house will be his enemy or the people of, how did he say it again? The people of his household will be his enemies. I said, okay, the people of your household are now your enemies. Eh? But what did the Bible say about it? Say, he will prepare a table before me in their presence. That's what he said. Then Jesus now came and said, pray for them. Don't let them die in their sins. So how do I pray? I take the scripture and say, Father, I thank you that the enemies, people I read against me, they are plenty. But David said, even though they are plenty, to you, Lord, I will lift up my eyes. You are my deliverer. In the midst of enemies, David did not say, kill the enemy. He said, Lord, I will lift up my eyes and deliverance will come to me. The greatest enemy anybody will have or saw that for David, javelin throwing, assassins after him. Yet the boy did not one day pray that Saul would die. The man was not afraid. Many of these prayers against enemies is fear. It's fear. How do you pray the prayer? You have many enemies. Take the scripture, Psalm 23. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Say, Lord, let, let your name be exalted. Let my table be big. There's one joke we used to crack those days. Let my enemy live long and see what I'll be in the future. It's very scriptural. It's a pigeon adaptation of Psalm 23. Talking about prophetic prayer, you know. That's why you take your, your Bible and use it to pray. Thank God for praying in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are beginning to pray in other tongues and all of that. It's very good. When you want to start praying, just take a scripture. You don't need too much thinking. Too much English is why the prayer is not working. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> don't like the disciples. They used to take scripture and read it out to God. Say, so God, you said this. Now arise and do. And God said, that's true. I watch over my work to perform it. Which one do you want me to perform? He said, look at this one here. You wrote it like this. 
One of my favorite scriptures, when I want to pray, if I need money to flow, I know where to command flow from. It's Isaiah chapter 66 verse 12. He said, Behold, I cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Lord, you said this. Now begin to do. There are things you did not desire. You will read your Bible and suddenly discover that it's there. Say, Lord, it's not my idea. It's your idea. Now begin to do. It's very important. And that's, that's why it's so important you read the scriptures accurately. That's why it's so important. If you read it wrongly, whether they had one man, I really, really, I love the man. He's been a tremendous blessing to me. He read one scripture. I said, I felt like calling him, but he's gone home to be like, died some years ago. When he said, oh God, no, don't read it like that. So the Bible said our outward man is perishing. That's why we are growing old. Our teeth are falling out. We don't see clearly again. Yeah, in my mind, I said, God, don't read it like that. You didn't read it properly. What did Paul say? He said, even though the outward man is perishing, but from inside it's being renewed day by day. That's what Paul was saying. And he proved, he said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. That is, age is not a disease. The only thing age is allowed to do for you is make you wise. Read the whole Bible beginning to the end. The only thing age is allowed to do for you is to make you wise. He said, what the righteous man, he will be old and full of sap. Read Psalm 92. They will be fruitful in old age. Somebody told me yesterday, they were talking about retirement. I said, who? Retirement. Lie, lie. There's not like retirement for the child of God. It's called refirement. Yes. You read it. You read the Bible. It's not about, it's not desire. It's about discovery. It's about discovery. And when I read it, it's there. It becomes a prayer. That's prophetic praying. I'm just living my life. You know, people start making excuses. You know, I don't remember well again my age. Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus is angry with you. You're not interpreting your life according to the scriptures. He's upset. What is wrong with you? Why are you talking this kind of nonsense? I tell you, the reason why I don't remember like I used to do is because I have more things to remember now. When I was young, what was I going to remember? My friend said he would come at 8. I thought I would play football. And I remember physics and chemistry. Period. But now, I will remember physics for my son. Remember chemistry for him. Remember handwriting for the one, the primary one. I'll be remembering many things. Then I remember I'm going to Lagos. I must remember what to preach. Remember to carry my bag. Remember my wife is at home. Remember to call my wife. Remember to read my message. Now, the time when I used to remember just five things, now I, remember, I need to remember 500 things. That is the only excuse I give for forgetting. Age, God forbid, but Age is only allowed to make me wise. In fact, I have the ability to remember more now than before. Because my brain has to expand. I mean, I teach students. I have to walk into a class. They come. Look, I'm a university teacher. And some students, they are very wicked. You know, those are the ones where you're playing football, uh, table tennis. They say, oh, I don't want to show you serve. You know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. I want to show you serve, you know. You, know, you just push the service to one corner. And, uh-uh. and the good Lord who's been good to me. Ah, uh, When I first started teaching that time. Those boys, then I, I was much younger than they started teaching 15 years ago in the university there. So I was younger than this at the time when I entered the class. So they look and say, man, this is a young lecturer. Let us test him. You know, they have these hot, hot boys in class. They didn't know the Holy Spirit is on my side. I remember one asked me one question one day. As soon as the question was coming out of his mouth, I knew I had no answer. But then the question finished exiting his mouth, the answer was complete in my head. I just went to the board like nothing happened. To my marker, you draw this, draw this, you understand that. Do you get the point? Yes, sir. Then they went and said, man, that guy is too much. He's the Holy Spirit. 
No, let me prove to you it's the Holy Spirit. Something happened one day. There's a book I brought when I was living in Lagos. I trained, did my postgraduate in Lagos and I went to Enugu. So that day I was in my office, I was just reading. For no reason, I just opened to that area. This is postgraduate stuff. It's a postgraduate textbook. I just read one area. I said, okay, this thing. I didn't even notice it like this. I read it and closed the book. Dropped it. Went to class. I wasn't teaching that subject. I just went to class. I finished teaching, finished teaching. All right, any questions? I still remember the guy's name, Daniel. Because he became my friend later. He's a Christian. He got up and said, I have a question. He brought up one very tough question, which incidentally I read 10 minutes before I came to his class. Again, as is my typical self, tossed my marker like they went to the board. All right, you see, when you come like they come like, you get the point? Yes, sir. Thank you. That is always the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't go and be confessing, you know I'm old now. What kind of nonsense old is that? At the age of 90, I intend to be preaching, run up and down. Moses was 100 years old. His eyes were not dim. His strength did not abate. Caleb said, for 45 years, I've remained the same. He led a charge on a mountain against giants. Have you read your Bible correctly before you start believing God for nothing? You nothing there. You believe God for zero. It's not good. And don't say, how will it happen? What's your business? I like Mary. Let it be unto me according to your word. I don't know how far. How you do it, I don't care. Let it just be as you have written it. At the age of 100, make sure I see clearly. That's all I care. Me, I put pressure on the word of God. I wake up every morning and say, look, I'm getting closer to 100. I'm seeing clearer. One, listen, there are testimonies I'm looking forward to. At the age of 70, me and young people will look and I will see further than them and closer than them. Then I know indeed it, is, it has occurred as it was recorded. That's what I call prophetic life. Prophetic life is not just where I see the vision, I see the future. When God wants to see the future, he will show it. When he wants us to see it, but he has already shown us many of it in the Bible. Why do you want to see the one he hasn't shown when you have not operated by the one he has shown? Has it not shown you already that prosperity does not come from the east or the west or from the south? South refers to where you are coming from. East and west refers to your surrounding circumstances. Say, but God is judge. Why are you still running up and die? If I don't go to America, I won't prosper. Why are you looking for visions when there are so many here that you have not yet used? Jesus looked at them and he was angry. Why do you want to upset the Lord? You wake up on Monday morning, God is vexed for you. Do you think he will do it that week? No, think about it. You wake up on Monday morning, you want to go to work, and the Lord is angry with you. People think God doesn't get angry. The Bible says he's slow to anger. He didn't say he never gets to anger. If I use a kekena pep to go to Enugu, it will take time, but I'll get it eventually. If I enter a flight, it's one hour. Take my car, and drive fast, Six hours. Again, it will take a while. God is slow to anger. Eventually, he gets there. You wake up every morning, be upsetting him, be annoying him. You wake up in the morning. I'm not feeling well today. Why now? Eh? I've not felt well in one year. Because see, why can't you just interpret this in your life? Using the Bible. That these are temptations. You resist him. Let him flee from you. Says because my cholesterol is high. People read more newspaper. <laughs> God, please have mercy. No, no verse this week. We are repenting. You know, when God wanted to send me into ministry, you know what the first thing he did? He sent me to medical school. Yeah, when God wanted to send me to ministry, he said, Banky, you are going to be a preacher, but go and learn medicine first. When I finished, I said, Lord, do we start preaching? I said, no, 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 no. Go and do postgraduate first. Ah. Lord, when will I go and start preaching? Don't worry. He showed me a dream, literal, literal dream, that showed me that things will take a while. So I waited patiently. When I started preaching, good. So when I open my mouth and talk on medical issues, nobody can answer. I can tell you, people have more faith in doctors than they have in God. 
They wake up one day, they say sugar is bad for them. They stop eating sugar. I thank God. Me, I double the dose. Yeah. If milk is bad, doctors show me proof it is bad. I will drink some more. Why? Because God said a good land must flow with what? Milk. What I did at the time is I went and bought honey and bought milk. I was chopping the two of them. My wife said, the milk in this house is finishing. My husband, are you a baby? I said, no, I'm not a baby. Let me explain. Well, how much is one, one, I said, how much is one bottle of Gouda? She wasn't sure. We did some research. I said, let us just assume. Is, how much is Gouda? How many of you drink Gouda? What's your... <laughs> okay. <laughs> let us assume it is 200 naira. I don't know the exact amount. But that time it was cheaper. So I told my wife, let's assume it's 200 naira. I said, if I drink two bottles of Gouda a day, I asked some of my friends in the office, am I a heavy drinker? They said, no, I got no. Two bottles a day. No, that's just, in fact, my C-Mac that time said, no, that is just normal. It's average. He said, two bottles. Just two bottles. It's good. So I told my wife, two bottles. Calculate it. 400 naira a day. In one month, how much is that? 12K. Is that not so? 400 naira a day. Then I said, 12,000 naira. I told my wife, do I drink that amount of milk? This is my good I'm drinking. Don't talk. I'm even giving you discount. <laughs> so now my wife leave me alone. I added honey to it. So why? I said, because the Bible says a good love flows with milk and with honey. That's my own logical. I have read medical books that told me that too much milk causes prostate cancer. I get your father get prostate cancer, not me. I will not exercise myself in the doctrines of man. I will exercise myself in the word of God. Let me die in faith. I prefer it. Say, so why did he die? He was obeying the scriptures. He said, that's good. When we get to heaven, say, God, you know why we are here? We are obeying. Because a good boy. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or living in unbelief. <laughs> If you see the way human beings spend money, I'm going for a checkup. Where? I'm going abroad for a checkup. Are you sick? No. Why? Well, I want to go and check. Hey, I know my people. It's money we are looking for. We are not looking for your health. Let's buy your money. Just don't sue us. I'm going to America for a checkup. I'm just looking. Are you sick? No. Just want to go and check up. Uh, brother, I have my Bible. I check it up. Say, God, what is wrong with me? I read it. He said, there's a principle of Sabbath. You are not paying it. I said, it's true, Isaiah 58. There's a principle of Sabbath. Blessed is that eunuch that obeys my Sabbath. I said, so what is the principle of Sabbath? It's called rest. Your food must be off at certain times. It's not every business you run for. You don't turn your stones to bread. You locate your field in life, cultivate it, lend it. You don't after everything. That is why more Christians are sick. Not because of checkup. I have a book where the doctor, American doctor, says, boy, don't check. We check too much. You find too many things, so... I have a book in my house. They found out that a lot of things they are checking are things that God will have taken care of naturally. Check, 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 check. Fellas said, trouble sleep, younger go wake up. Then when trouble is sleeping, some people, they are younger, will go and disturb it. But they have too much money to go to, go, go to India. They probe, they say, I have small headache, go and do MRI scan. The MRI scan will not disturb the head that was working before. When you have a headache, why don't you take the scriptures and speak to it? Faith. People have so much faith in people that know nothing. At least 60,000 Americans die every year from the mistakes of doctors. I didn't say Nigerians. Listen, I'm not saying doctors are bad. Though. 
I'm just saying that faith in them is bad. Have faith in God. What did I say? When you have issues, take your Bible and talk to yourself first. It's called a prophetic life. I was listening to Ken Hagen teach on why Christians are sick. He said, number one reason why they are sick. He said, the reason is different from why unbelievers are sick. He said, number one reason why Christians are sick is because of anger, animosity, envy. That many people tell them, just repent, get, forgive, forgive him. They do it, their arthritis goes away. They do it, their ulcer disappears. That is how we use the scripture. Paul said that when they don't descend the body, many do what? For that reason, many of you are sick and many sleep. That is, many die. One day, a man of God died. Somebody said to me, ah, what was his diet like? I said, a man of God died. Diet can't kill a man of God. Spiritual substances are the things that kill people. But we read so much newspapers. You carry your Bible and do what? And read. Interpret the challenges of your life prophetically. That's what I'm talking about. When you do that, then what God wants to do will manifest in your life. If you want to live long, there are things written in the scriptures for long life. He said, walk in the kingdom. You ask yourself, what are the things, what does it mean to walk in the kingdom? Because in the kingdom, the young man dies at the age of 100. People sometimes say that, you know, I said, read the scripture properly. They said, God promised us 70 years. I don't know where we saw it. I've read the Bible up and down. It is not there. I've seen big men say it, but it's not in the Bible. Moses lamented that because of the judgment of God, because of our iniquities, the hand of God has been strong against us. For that reason, we die at the age of 70. He said, those who make it the age of 80, he said, but God, but there's mercy with you. How can it continue like this? Moses was lamenting when they were dying at 70 and 80. They will now quote it that God promised 70. Lie, lie. The only promise about long life I found in the Bible, there are two. One of them, he said, in the kingdom of God, the young man dies at a hundred, and he says that with long life, I will satisfy. The next word is satisfaction. That's the next word. Those are the two things I have found. So quoting for me that, that God promised 70 years. He never did. Go and read that psalm. When he mentioned it, it was the lamentation of Moses. How long will you be angry? That look at it while you are now dying anyhow at the age of 70. Moses would have been shocked when he finds people dying regularly at the age of 40. Interpret scriptures properly and expect the word of God to be manifested in your life. Don't let God be angry with you on Monday morning. It's not good. That week will not be good. What do you do? You wake up, you give him thanks. Tell him, that which I see not teach thou me. That is how Christians are supposed to live. I hope I've blessed you this morning. Why don't you just rise up to our feet? Let us pray. Just begin to thank God for your life. Say, Lord, I thank you. First, let's repent of grumbling and murmuring. He said, in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God concerning you. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank him for anything. Just thank him. Most importantly, thank him for the thoughts that he has towards you. They are many and they are wonderful.